You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Gosh, it feels like it's been like a year. And I don't <laughs> well, know who it is this is. a new year for Yeah, but us. who is this to the left? I don't know who this is. <laughs> he was on vacation for like a year. Who are you? Yeah, what's your name? I'm back. <laughs> yeah, but what's your name? Joel. <laughs> Remember, I've had a year of chemo, buddy. That's right. I forgot That's your right. name. I thought he looked familiar when he walked in the door, but I wasn't really sure. Gosh. It's been a little bit. I've been gone for three weeks yeah i think it's longer than that but that's okay that's your story (laughs) all i know is when i talk to him he says i am ready to be home yeah (laughs) if you say three weeks my story is you've been gone six just ask tom he'll tell you that's true story (laughs) yeah Yeah. it almost felt like six near the end so so your paycheck that's in there i'm just gonna stop payment on is that okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) it won't cash anyways it's been so long it's true the time is run on it absolutely so yeah it'll it'll need a two-point authenticator to get the check (laughs) (laughs) chase already accepted half (laughs) yeah so we are all back in studio i said i guess that's what holidays does it kind of just disrupts everything plus yeah. then i had the end of chemo plus then i had to move and good gosh what else could we have that packed was a fun, in fun end of the year wasn't it <laughs> wow I, it's still kicking my butt i'm just telling you i'm finally and now all this rain here what is this stuff falling from the sky uh, yeah this what, is a we live in a desert it's not supposed uh, to yeah, do this this is wrong last two days nothing but rain yeah and then i, I was laughing because with our softball tournament coming I up know. <laughs> next weekend it rains thursday through tuesday uh, so thank heavens we picked the right weekend yeah. for this but yeah so we're here all of us again in the Chris Ferrara podcast studio with our um, softball tournament coming up, honoring our dear colleague, Chris Ferrara, who uh, was murdered in the line of duty uh, in 21. And we just are doing everything we can to keep his memory alive, because yeah. if we don't do it, we know he will. <laughs> and it'll probably be in my house That's right. somehow. So so we got we to gotta do a little I, more publicly. I don't know. Did you give him the key to this new place? <laughs> I don't think he needs it. <laughs> I don't think he needs it, because there's some stuff happening, noises, things falling like in an yeah. attic that I don't have an attic. And I'm like, golly, he moved with me, yeah. he and Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, they'll never leave me alone, I don't think. But that's okay. Like I said, we're going to... Uh, we're going to honor uh, Chris this weekend with a fun time of softball between first responders and uh, got a lot of lot of cool stuff going on. So, Joel, we are glad to have you back, and we hope your holidays were nice and you'll never be allowed to leave <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona, the Valley again. Got it. Okay, just making sure. I'm going to put a <laughs> tracking device on your car. Uh, anyway, today we have anything new with you, Tom? Uh, no, nothing Nothing I can think of that's, like, exciting, that's for sure. I do have an interview tomorrow at KTAR with Mike Broomhead. Oh, But, yeah, uh, Leslie Lang, dear friend of ours, lined that up, and so that's going to be a fun time tomorrow. Yeah. I think I got about 10 minutes. So you'll be on the Broomhead show. Yeah, I guess I probably should have listened to the Broomhead show, maybe. I don't know what I'm in for, but I don't know. Maybe it's better not to know. I feel like that goes the same for our guests. (laughs) That's true. true. We should ban them from our podcast. You can't listen until you've recorded yours. That's That's exactly right. Uh, But today we have a guest out of Oklahoma. I assume it's okay to say that you're in Oklahoma. (laughs) Sometimes our guests don't want to know, but his name is Luke Sherman with Folds of Honor. And uh, we're just honored to have you on and and to learn about this organization that sounds like an amazing group and doing some really cool stuff. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. So, So, yeah, what, what what is your background, if you could tell everybody? I know... From what I read in your bio, you're a glutton for punishment because 30 years. He, he, uh, well, the people I, that he and I know together well, told me a lot about, well, about who this man is. Yeah, that's for right. sure. 
Uh, my background uh, retired in April of 2022 with 30, just shy of 30. It was it was about 30 when you call it working for the city. Is that all? But I think you were practically yeah. just barely out of your rookie years, <laughs> yeah. buddy. Yeah. Exactly, but 29 years and seven months, or who's counting? Right. right. Um, but I, you know, when I jumped, you know, Colonel Mick, who's with the folds, sort of digressing a little bit, was like, "Are you sure you don't want to run it up to 30?" And I'm like, "I'm out. I'm I'm ready to go." Yeah. Um, I'm an impact person. I, I recognized that there was this this calling from uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, who's the founder, to say, "Let's go." <laughs> we were friends. We have been friends, and I saw purpose in that. So after almost 30 years with Tulsa police, I jumped over, um, retired into the civilian role and then took a, a, an executive position with the folds. Um, wait a minute. We have another, wait a minute. We, we, we have another connection now to, uh, our, who's our guy sticks. Oh, sticks. Larson. Yes. Larson. Larkins. Larson. Yeah, Larkin. 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 Yeah. yeah. Shawnee, Sean, Sean is a dear friend of mine. Um, we won't get into all the stories. Sean lived with me before he came on the police department. We're very close. Um, super officer uh, came in. Uh, funny little story. I'm Adam 301. Horrible. I take the worst beat in town before I got promoted. And th- this hot rod kid was coming up. It's almost like the draft. And a captain says to me, hey, you're in 305, but would you take 301? I said, I'll be more than happy to take the worst beat in town. However... I want that kid as 311 to to run tandem with me for four of the five days because I think we can work together. So Sean and, and Luke had a ball up north running <laughs> around and uh, and man, he excelled and and we we sort of ran tandem and promotions. I promoted first, but uh, yeah, we need to um, get him on our podcast. I actually was yeah, in Tulsa. He's, he's good people. And Travis Yates and I were out riding, and I said, I, I'm being told I need to have a picture made with him, and he went and pulled him out of a gang raid. Literally in the yeah. parking lot in the in the apartment <laughs> complex, he comes out after kicking doors, walks, puts his arm around me, takes a picture, grins, and then goes back in. And I was like, "Wow, mm-hmm. okay, that was fast. yeah, okay." Yeah, I just spoke. To, I just spoke to him yesterday, but he he worked for me in the in the I guess the two thousands, mm-hmm. and then we promoted into different realms, and and I was promoted at that point. But uh, his final position was at Special Investigations as the gang uh, lieutenant underneath me. I ran a, a division there, and. Um, Awesome. Good people, solid troop, um, hasn't let it go to his head, <laughs> um, but has the ability to interface with people, but but really understood the streets. Sure. And that's something that I think is, you, you do have officers that do understand right. that, but you have a lot that don't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of a soapbox for me. I'm, I'm digressing a little, but that's okay. you have to understand the streets mm-hmm. to be able to serve the people that are there because we do serve yeah. mm-hmm. uh, to be able to have respect for the bad guys and have them have respect for you. And Sean's one of those people that had that. We could roll into an environment where it was a combustible large amount of people and they'd see a couple of us that they knew were head headhunters if we needed to be, sure. but were respectful of them as human beings. And that's essential. So, yeah. well, his face helps well. with women. I'll just say it. His looks don't hurt at all either. So, just just putting that yeah. out there. I, I will let him know that. <laughs> Please do. Yeah, tell him. Tell him we want to have him on the podcast. I'd love to have certainly. him on and hear some of his stories. Yes. yes anyway, certainly. so so back to to Folds of Honor because I just wanted to make sure we got that on on air that we're going to get you to help us get him. <laughs> certainly. So I did thirty years um, and came came through. And at the tail end of that, you start to sort of hunt for, um, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that wanted to retire and just sit there. I didn't want to retire and work at a, a federal building guarding a, a door with a magnetometer. <laughs> um, and you just sort of, I'm a spiritual person. So you start to sort of kind of look at that and say, okay, hey, where is my next positional point? And, and I don't believe in plug and play. I believe in, in, in sort of moving in those directions when they happen. You know those doors that open when they open. You can't. You can open them, but um, but this door opened with uh, Colonel Dan Rooney, and uh, we're good friends. But it was one of those phone calls, and it came out of the blue. And uh, he said, "Hey, I need your help, sort of forming this 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 expansion." And when you have people like that, he's a visionary, mm-hmm. and his vision was, "Let's go from just military." let's go to the first responders our first responders are uh, and they're part of this too it's freedom and it's safety and those are two things that you know our military provides us with freedom and has done an exemplary job i love my brothers and sisters over there 
But then you have 2 million first responders here that give us safety. And Dan recognized that, but he also recognized Luke is that guy. We need to bring him over and see if he'll consult. And, and it was a funny conversation. We're driving somewhere, my wife and I, and uh, I said, you know, Dan, I said, why don't I just retire and come work for you? And, and it was a neat kind of guttural scream. I got this, well, I sort of, I could sort of kind of was, but 30 years of being a contractual union guy, I'm sort of nervous about, oh, oh, okay. I'll, you know, and it was the stammering stuttering. And next thing I know, I'm talking to Colonel uh, Nick Nichols and had lunch with him and interviewed and just said, I want to be impactful. Mm -hmm. And away we went, jumped over to the folds in April, 2022 and haven't looked back. And tell us uh, really what the mission is. The Folds is a unique organization. It's a nonprofit. Um, and its mission, um, and, and I don't want to tell Dan's story because Dan's got that story so, so dynamically told. But Dan is coming back and he's moving from point A to point B trying to get up. He's a golf pro, um, you know, at, at a place in Michigan. And he the story begins with the pilot on the plane dan's an f-16 war pilot so he gets flying but he's on this plane and the pilot of i think american says hey ladies and gentlemen we're landing and they're in michigan western michigan and please please give respect we have um we have a, a hero on the plane well dan had seen a full-dressed military a marine on the plane and he assumed that's the guy well it wasn't and so the pilot goes on to explain uh, the remains of mm -hmm. buckland you know, Marine, uh, Marine Officer Buckland, uh, U.S. Marine are on the plane. That's his brother. So they're bringing Buckland back mm -hmm. from overseas. Mm -hmm. And it's man, that's a hugely sobering experience for yes. me. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that his brother, who's also a Marine, I love the Marines for that. The Marines, you know, I love our military, but the Marines are going to nope. we're bringing our boy back mm -hmm. and we're going to guard him to the very to the very point where we commit him to God and put him in the ground. And so Dan sees that, and as they he looks out the plane, and you can see the family, and the, as he says, the darkest day of their life. It's a it's a a wife and her little boy clinging to her leg that doesn't know dad's gone, but dad's gone. They're bringing him down in a in a flag draped casket um, with all the honors of a cold, you know, wet night in Mich Western Michigan. Um, and the family's there receiving their lost son, their lost husband, their lost dad for the first time since uh, he gave he gave us a bit of freedom mm -hmm. at, at the ultimate sacrifice and at the end of that dan looks and half the plane's empty and they didn't want to wait people just didn't want to wait and give respect for that people have got business to do and <laughs> and they're on their way and so i think that set a tone in him mm -hmm. and he said he felt a hand on his shoulder which there was nobody there and it said we got a mission and the mission is we got to take care of that that mama and that little boy because it's a situation where what happens to it's we we bury people with honor but the day after that funeral is really the beginning of the rest of their lives trying to pick up the pieces so right. what the folds does and it's and it's grown and i'll give you the numbers here shortly but what the folds actually has done is the fold come in and it basically says we're going to secure philanthropic and 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 monies to be able to carry the legacy of these families with these fallen heroes and now that's expanded to our first responders killed in the line of duty or catastrophically hurt so they come in with scholarships and the ability to say okay where are you going if i'm the if i'm the child luke where are you going what's well i'm going to the university of phoenix or i'm going to um, you know arizona state university and it's it's not a full ride mm -hmm. but it's a monetary amount that helps that child and that family carry that or reestablish re the momentum if sure. there is really a way to ever do that right um but to get a little give them hope something um, hope hope through that tragedy um and to inspire those families to carry the legacy and i'm a huge fan of legacy yes um, my troops said to me when i retired luke you just walked out the door you didn't want to have anything and i said man it's not about me it's my legacy as a leader and a commander is that you carry what we set in course and Absolutely. you really truly understand the legacy when you're gone your legacy is your children your legacy is your people that work for so dan's vision has fulfilled um now to the tune of over fifty-one thousand scholarships nice. nice probably i think getting close to a quarter of you know 250 million plus and we're still moving forward 
Um, and it's, the beauty of that is that um, that's 51,000 little micro gifts of hope. And we're seeing the results. We're seeing kids get up off the ground. I'm dating myself here, dust off their tough skins <laughs> and start moving forward um, with with life, even though they've lost a, sure. a loved one. Well, as a Marine mom, um, thank you for what y'all are doing. Fortunately, mine came home. But yes. uh, I'm, I have a very dear friend that I happen to be right next to the tarmac in Atlanta when his son's uh, remains were brought home. And right. he and my son were the same age, had actually started at Paris Island at the same time. It was We were very connected. But, yes, thank you for what y'all are doing because it is very, very needed for sure. Right, right. And, you know, keep yes. in mind, too, anytime y'all are dealing with families, too, Under the Shield is here to help on the mental wellness side anytime. We don't, we don't charge our military families for our services, but we are always available 24-7, Tom's Air Force, um, we've got others that are military. Some of our stress coaches out of Phoenix PD or Army. But uh, we're always willing to help any way that we can um, from a mm -hmm. mental wellness perspective. It's huge. That's 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 thank you for that. That is, um, you know, I spent some time in, in South Carolina with OPFOB, which is a mental mental wellness group. Um, we have Mighty Oaks. Mighty Oaks is 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 floating around all over and that's that's mental wellness for first responders and started as military that was i think a recon guy mm -hmm. um but i'm a huge fan of that we will react we always do the military and the law enforcement and firefighters and first responders we do an exemplary job of reacting mm -hmm. but i'm a huge fan of also the front side sure let's be proactive and let's let's stop um the the, the deluge you know the deluge of of people that are that are having suicide ideation and then yeah. eventually succumbing to that. Um, sure, it's it's significantly more important than I think people realize, and there's there's energy behind that. So thanks for that. Yeah. And I will file that away and use that as a, as something that we can pass to some of these groups that are out there. Yeah, and we do it as stress coaches. We say it's education, not therapy, uh, and it's a hundred percent anonymous. We don't report. We're not mandated reporters like so many of the others are. Um, they can call and be whoever they want to be because it's important that they feel safe to be able to talk about their feelings and be able to empty yes. what we call the psychological garbage can. So, uh, yeah, any way we mm -hmm. can ever connect up and help with you guys, we'd we'd be honored. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that's phenomenal. Thank you for that. Uh, so, how many people uh, are involved in your organization? How many of you are, and are you all over the country? How does this work? How do families find you? Yes, so the Folds has uh, our headquarters in Owasso, Oklahoma, and there's probably 60-ish maybe there. Uh, but then we have a unique setup that's, uh, I think, 32 to 35 chapters now. Um, so those chapters are localized to, we have a chapter in Oklahoma, you have a chapter in the Palmetto State, you'll have a chapter in Florida, you have uh, two chapters, you've got a Houston chapter, you've got a Dallas chapter, North and, and South Texas. And those groups work they're standalone 501c3s, mm -hmm. but they work with us. They fly that same flag and they're uniquely ingrained into their communities. So by going to foldsofhonor.org, you can actually search and get those chapters and integrate into one of those chapters or um, philanthropically, if that's where you wanted to go, if it's a person that says, hey, I've got a significant amount of monies or a business connection that I want to tap into that phoenix area there's 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 people in that area we have a chapter in phoenix okay i was going to ask and, and is it just mm -hmm. phoenix or it's an arizona chapter i think it's a phoenix chapter but it's arizona okay. i mean i i don't know what the actual title of that group is rachel chapman layman chapman is is involved in that uh, but they have that you know that area is 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 what her purview and and what that group looks at um and that's how it works but um so with that that expands that group from just the, the national chapter mm -hmm. um, to to a, li a larger footprint. And there's work and collaborative effort, you know, where we're national people are working with state people um, in those chapters. Um, but the ultimate goal is uh, we're looking at, you know, we had 13,000 applications this year and we were only able to fill about 9,000 of those. Wow. So the wow. need's still great. Um, and, you know, on the military side, it's all percentile driven. Sure. So your military members have um, disability ratings. Mm -hmm. And from that, yes, catastrophic, God forbid, uh, KIA, that person, their family's eligible. 
Um, but if it's a person with a 72% disability rating or whatever that rating is, um, they have to apply, the family applies mm -hmm. and goes through that process. And then we have a vetting service with our scholarships and our donor services to vet. And then from that, then we award scholarships as we would see through that process. First responder side's a little different okay. because we don't have percentiles. We have killed in the line of duty, um, and, and I call it different. We actually gave a little bit of a different flavor to that. We said killed in the line of service. So a prime example of that would be a COVID situation. Right. That individual is serving his community or her community and contracts COVID. And subsequently, six months later, is is no longer able to to maintain their their health, and we lose that person. That's significant to me. That's the same as somebody that that goes into a, a house and on a domestic and is shot sure. and killed. Yeah. Firefighters were significant in that COVID stuff because they're they're first responders of a paramedic status, so they were involved in that. But then you also have burn stuff. Then you have extended. Um, um, lung issues and cancer and melan and not melanoma, but uh, lung cancer issues and such. So the first responder side is different. It mm -hmm. is killed in the line of service. Okay. And then it's catastrophic injury. So we will reward and qualify. You qualify as a family if a firefighter is burned to the point where they cannot do the job that they did, or a police officer or a paramedic is involved in a catastrophic wreck and the paramedic broke their back and they no longer can be a paramedic, mm -hmm. um, we honor their service and, and that family is eligible. And I've had a few that say, hey, I've, I broke my finger uh -huh. and uh, we're wondering if I, if I apply. And I said, are you back to work? Yep, back to work. No, not catastrophic. What about um, post-traumatic stress injury? We're getting there. Okay. We're getting there. Good. Um, that's become, you know, on the military side, that was recognized a while ago and we follow. The first responder side follows that. Um, but we're getting to that point where it, when I had hair um, back in the 90s, um, you know, the city just didn't really recognize that. Right. And they would say, well, you know, this and that. And now I think they're starting to realize first responders, whether they're firefighters, whether they're police officers or sheriff deputies or uh, men, you see paramedics that are seeing trauma. Uh -huh. And so cities and counties and municipalities and localized groups are starting to recognize, eh, there might be something here. And there is. I've lost, I think I buried four mm -hmm. in the line of duty from physical bad guy hurt them stuff. Sure. Um, but I've buried, I think, five from, from um, yeah, from suicide. Sure. And so... And there were probably more, you know, when you look at the five that actually probably killed themselves in my 30 year career, there's probably 15 or 20 that thought about it. And we had conversations with a couple that said, yeah, I tasted the barrel of my gun the last couple of nights. Well, they're also okay. planning their line of duty deaths. Uh, so Correct. families are taken care of. That's the other thing Correct. we deal with pretty mm -hmm. regularly. Mm -hmm. And and I'll tell you a group that's not really that's kind of fallen through the cracks. And that's our dispatchers, um, 100%. because here in mm -hmm. Arizona, they don't qualify under what right. the Craig Tiger Act here that gives some services and stuff. But, uh, you know, that's a group that definitely uh, needs to be included. I don't know how we get away with saying they're not first responders. <laughs> they are the first first responder um, right. and have to deal with things and then move to the next call. They don't even get closure of any kind. And uh, that's something. And, and, you know, now that mental health has even changed, um, because it was in the DSM-4, PTSD was diagnosed with a single event. So there had to be something like a, sh a shooting or whatever. Well, the DSM-5 came back and changed it. Now it's cumulative. So right. everybody's right. got to start to look at it because there's so much what we label as uh, traumatic brain injury that's from a psychological place, not a physiological. Right. And we got to do something about it. And it can be treated. That's the beauty of it. But if we're just yes. labeling and victimizing, then it's another subject. Yeah. Well, I, I am um, plugging something in here, so I do apologize. I, I am a huge proponent of exactly what you're saying. Um, I think that there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, that that if we if we talk about it and continue to have the dialogue and the dialogue continues and continues and continues, eventually, you know, you do get in front of, you know, the politicians that that can support it. Um, you know, I'm a, 
I'm chairman with the NTOA. And so we spend an inordinate amount of time in DC. I mean, people are like, you guys are SWAT guys and why are you in DC? Because to change some of the significant thought process you have, you know, with what, it, how it relates to mental illness or PTS. Mm-hmm. Um, I had unique conversations in the Beltway with blue and red over mm-hmm. PTS. And they're like, that exists? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course it does. Absolutely. And, you know, police officers, and like you're saying, a dispatcher, and that's a phenomenal uh, point of, of, of thought for me that I want to wrap my mind around because Yes, you're right. You hear the screaming. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a sensory. You're hearing that. You're hearing somebody that's being assaulted yep. and screaming and begging for police to get there or or a burn victim. Yes. Um, or a child traumatic. who's afraid or if someone's child. breaking in yeah. and mm-hmm. you can't get there. It's such a helpless mm-hmm. feeling. That- and I've always noticed that, that some of the best dispatchers that I've worked with would connect to my troops later and say, hey, what happened? What mm-hmm. happened? Did you guys... Or you would have a dispatcher call from the dispatch line. I'm like, hey, this is, you know, Captain Sherman. Hey, did you, what what happened? Well, mm-hmm. we pointed a gun at him and he didn't want to play and we took him into custody and the kids, okay, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. And then you could tell that there was this relief and mm-hmm. then they could move on to coming back and putting their headphones back on and going back into the world of the carnage that they hear every day. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And well, our I'm director tracking. of operations is a former Tempe dispatcher mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it does it takes its toll yeah and never stops yeah never absolutely stops. So, so what would a I, what yeah. would a a, a a typical uh request be from first responders that y'all get is it uh, do most people feel like that it has to have been a death in their family or do they understand this is about injuries also um yes they do and they're learning that um i'll give you numbers two million first responders Here's, a, here's a, a, an amazing one, 800,000 gun toters mm-hmm. out of that group, mm-hmm. 1.3 uh, million firefighters. Fire. Mm-hmm. And of that 1.3, here's here's the beauty of Americans, 800,000 of those have some volunteer status. Yep. They're not paid. <laughs> yep. And and people are like, what what's going on? I said, well, those are the people that I love mm-hmm. because those are the people that say, hey, my country is important enough to me that I'm gonna give back to it. And I might be a banker in West, you know, California, but I'm I'm loading up and I get to be a firefighter during the Santa Ana winds, mm-hmm. you know, or during and 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 the thing about it is, and then you have about three hundred thousand paramedics, and I didn't even talk about you know dispatchers that you're talking about, but you have significant resources. Those two million have families, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think that people realize truly that you know volunteer a fire that's raging and moving at 22.8 miles an hour and cruising up a, a, you know, a ravine doesn't discriminate and say which ones are volunteers and which <laughs> ones are full time. Right. It just plows through and, and so volunteers get hurt. Sure. Um, reserve officers, same thing. Sure. And so I think people are starting to understand that there's that, then I'll give you frequency to answer that question. Uh, there's 240 million calls for service that are 911 a year. That number vacillates up and down that's about 660,000 calls a day. Mm-hmm. And so that's when people amazing. say the, the, the police are, are in Baltimore or, you know, or the, the Memphis deal, the police are just, you know, I, I shouldn't name a name, but a real famous basketball player that says the police are just out of control. They're just tar-. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Right. You know, there's 660,000 calls a day by our heroes, my heroes, magnify that by three days. That, guy might not even know how to add that up but that's a ton that's a you know to over it's a over it's almost it's almost two million calls for service we're doing a pretty good job yeah and so during those calls for service things happen yeah people get hurt fire trucks get rolled um you know an ambulance gets hurt an ambulance uh, paramedic gets punched in the face by a, a paranoid schizophrenic uh, a police officer gets spit on and it actually contacts the mouth or the eyes and or somebody gets in a fight and firefighters are, you know, assaulted. And so those situations where people get hurt, um, most often they come back, but sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. And the fire, my hose dragger friends are always better at setting up their stuff than law enforcement. Law enforcement didn't really have a spot. If you got hurt, they'd say, Luke, you're going to work the desk over here. And then as soon as you got better, hey, welcome back. Thank you very much. Go back and take calls. Sure. Where the fire department has a different sort of kind of 
it's um, a way that they work that 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 you know that firefighter back into their process um, and they have percentages of injury and such that that sure. law enforcement doesn't but there are people that get hurt sure catastrophic it's got to be catastrophic if i get hurt and i hurt my back and i'm still i'm 18 year veteran i hurt my back and i'm down for four months but then i'm back in the saddle and i'm back um working detective or i'm back with my badge and gun that's not catastrophic it's got to be a situation where the boys look at me my two sons and my two stepkids and they say he's in a wheelchair mm-hmm. um he goes and works at records um, and, and file stuff, but he's not the police officer that we saw yeah. jumping fences. Well, here in Arizona, I know if an officer gets injured in the line of duty, he has a year to return. Mm-hmm. And if he can't return, they'll let him go. Are right. these people that would be eligible for at least some assistance in paying bills and stuff till they can figure out? Because sometimes there's not even much notice on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's shameful that that happens mm-hmm. in parts of the country. I think in Tulsa, um, they would try to integrate you back into a role in some capacity within the city government. Now, the choice is yours. Do you want to be in records and file? I don't want to. Right. So they'd say, OK, well, Arrivederci, you're on your way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but if it to me, it goes back to if that person was in the line of service, and something happened to them and they couldn't make it back to the job that they so duly swore an oath to do, it's very clear to me. Um, and people say, well, how can you, why would you say that a guy that's um, that's shot in the line of duty is and survives it? Why do you say that's the same as, as a female firefighter that has a heart attack while she's carrying her baby into Walmart? Mm-hmm. It's not about the actual incident, right. it's about their service. Right. And the focal point that we're after is the kiddos. Sure. Um, you know, I got a call from, an, uh, you know, it was a sweet call from a lady when we first launched. And she was a representative for a sheriff deputy who passed away. He was also a Navy, a Navy, um, I don't know, midshipman maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had served there and then he and then he transitioned over to a sheriff's department and he died from cirrhosis of the liver. And well, that's pretty clear. There's about four ways you can get that. And the most <laughs> common is one way. Sure. And so they were beating around the bush a little bit. And and she finally just said, Luke, she goes, I just need to know. She goes, is he's got kids and I and and where where where's the folds with this? And I said, I don't care about what happened to him. Right. I don't care. I do care. I don't care about the demons mm-hmm. and I don't want to care in a way to say well i'm holier than now or right. shame on him for these things yep. we don't care about that what we care about is we love him mm-hmm. and we care about those kids in that family and well, i said and my my response was how many kids does he have and she said four and i said let's go let's figure it out yeah i, I fault the departments on those things they see that stuff and they don't do they anything it. yeah and right. and they'll go well we've got eap well you know if i hear one more person talk about <laughs> we need to change the culture because we are not going to change the culture dealing with licensed mental health as long as licensed mental health can take their badge and gun. You're not going to mm-hmm. do it. I, I don't care who yeah, goes right. where. They're 100%. not going to run the risk. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you hear things like that and you go, yeah, how many times have you heard where an officer may have gotten a DUI or something? Everybody goes, yep, saw that one coming. Well, mm-hmm. what did you do about it? Mm-hmm. Didn't know what 100%. to do about it. Uh, Tom 100%. and I teach a supervisor class teaching them what to look for and what to do about it. And then mm-hmm. let them pull that stunt, and then I'm really going to have somebody's head mounted on my wall. But it's mm-hmm. it, it's really sad that they see it coming but don't do anything about yeah. it. And that's well, on the it's, agency. It's the, it's the institution versus the people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a name, and, I, and I'd have to be gray about the situation, but I remember a very good female officer working in a – in a high crime, um, a high crime frequency unit of, of collection homicide unit. So she's working in the evidentiary side of that. Wow. And um, I think she was. I, I remember there was a couple of really nasty situations, and out of the blue, I didn't really know her. There's mm-hmm. 800 officers, and, and I'm a commander in the South Division. And out of the blue, I get this phone call. Don't recognize the number. It's that female officer, and she said, "I, I need to. I need to get out." That's how the call starts. Mm-hmm. Who are you? I don't know who you are. And she said, I got to get out. I, ca- I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And she's crying. 
And so I, I'm, I'm getting ready to head to lunch and dinner that, that evening. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a minute. And I shut my door and I said, okay, what are we dealing with? And she went through about two or three really horrible kid crimes. Yep. And I said, uh, how fast can you get to this division? Mm-hmm. As far as, and she goes right now. And I said, you know, I said, tomorrow you're going to file and you're going to, you're going to go to your major and your captain and your staff and say, I need a, a relief from this. And, and I said, I'll be more than happy to receive you. And I said, I can't promise you, you know, anything other than working in a patrol car. But I said, we're going to get you away from that. And she's a phenomenal supervisor now. Mm-hmm. I'm not giving you that story to say that that's Luke Sherman. Wow, what an amazing. But it takes those human interactions yes. away from the institutional side of things to begin to change hearts and minds. That troop then believes and they can expand their sphere of influence of we take care of each other. Right. Can I get um, you to put in for chief here? We we got a department that kind of needs you. Maybe kind of needs you. Yeah, yeah, they definitely need you. Uh, Send me the application. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'll support you 100 percent here because it's just you know, and and we we've been educated because it wasn't this way for me in Alabama. I moved out here in mm-hmm. 2012, but you know, even civilians are exposed to stuff like I I didn't realize 100%. until I got out here. Records mm-hmm. clerks. Are mm-hmm. reviewing body cam and stuff. Now we got civilians in jobs now that they're having to see horrible stuff not once but multiple times. Right. Um, right. And you start going, you know, what are we doing? So I mean, we've expanded our services uh, even with people like that in the civilian side, or the mm-hmm. um, ones that go out and take the pictures and the forensic mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Uh, all you of those have things. to, yeah. You, and you both know it because you're 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 my heroes in that. You're experts in in identifying. You have to intercept emotional trauma and you have to intercept it directly you mm-hmm. have to intercept it honestly you have to and you have to empathize with it no judgment but it no judgment mm-hmm. but if you don't those first responders and those military members will take it back to family i mean it's i listened to saturday and on the sean ryan show yeah. um and they were talking about how all these special operations guys and gals are coming back they've internalized all that mm-hmm. that damage that hell that they've seen well, where is it going to be relief? You know, released. It's going to be released at your home. Absolutely. And so I, I'm, I'm, I just don't subscribe to that. Um, where we say, well, you know, tuck it away and file it away and toughen up. <laughs> it's still Eventually, what's being taught, though. Right. You know, well, yes. honestly, that's the yes. sad part. In the academies, we're still teaching that keep it separate. Uh, mm-hmm. We teach a class here that spouses or significant others, sadly, have to tell them don't bring both. Um, Come with the law enforcement and the firefighters. Yeah, I knew you'd catch on that eventually. I caught that. It takes a minute, but yeah. Um, but they bring their spouse or significant other with them to the training. And people go, why don't you just train the spouses? Because they're going to go home and talk about, well, Susan and Tom said, so you and they're going, who the hell is Susan and Tom? You know, mm-hmm. you have to have them both in there because yeah. we talk from both places to make it the yeah. lifestyle and have it healthy. You have to have under, an understanding. If I go, and it's funny because if I if I get some training on something, I'm talking to my wife. She'll be like, "Wait, what? What, what do you? I don't understand what that training was. Whether whether it was sale training or this training or that training. And so, if you're talking about that, you've got to talk from from a counseling perspective of it's two people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, the heroes uh, to the first responders are their families. Yes, and and their significant others, and the in the most extended point of angst or violence or frustration is usually the people closest to you and so an officer is going to be po'd about something he's going to go home and he's going to extend that to his child or he's going to extend that to his wife or her she's going to extend that to her husband and that person's like i have no idea what just happened because they don't know the trauma that you went through well you get defensive thinking you've done something and how dare you come at me when i don't Mm -hmm. even know what you're talking about but it must have been me And those were some of our biggest arguments, truly, until we had these open discussions. But, you know, the other point that we make um, at Under the Shield is that, you know, to be a a sports psychologist, uh, and this is for anybody in mental health listening, to be a sports psychologist, you don't just get a Ph.D. There's no team athlete that's going to touch you. You have to study kinesiology and all those specialty things. Right. And so our argument is if it takes specialization for our athletes – why doesn't the world understand it takes specialization for our tactical athletes? That's our military, our law enforcement, first responders. I did a yeah. full SWAT school when I started this company 32 years ago. 
Mm-hmm. I've done hostage negotiation mm-hmm. training. I get myself exposed mm-hmm. to everything I can. I wasn't the cop, and you don't want me to have been the cop because <laughs> right now it's more about am I going to miss right. a chance to shoot somebody than anything else, But especially at 65. But um, it, it's about understanding that population. And if you want to work with it, you got to get into it. Mm-hmm. And the same well, thing here with y'all providing yeah. these services. You understand you're not outsiders yeah. being right. nice people. You understand the whole mm-hmm. picture of this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we used to talk about that in the NTOA. I joined the NTOA in 2004, I think four, and then uh, been a director since 2007. So I'm, I'm the senior. I'm the old guy there, which is sort of scares me because when I <laughs> came on as a director, I had Ron and John and, and the, the icons the guys who actually formed the word SWAT and here I am as a young buck with them. Um, but, but I, you know, a funny conversation that we've always had is it takes like 1100 hours to become a, a certified, uh, what's the hair person that in a salon. Right. And there's certain parts of the country are 1100 hours for that. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time that we formed the national SWAT standards and pushed those to the country as a, as a, we're an association. So we pushed those, we didn't have any standards. And people are like, why, why, why do we need standards? Are you kidding me? We're, <laughs> we are the tip of the spear in law enforcement yeah. for critical situations. Most often with mentally ill people, we need to have some significant qualifications as to how we're doing. We need to, have, we need to, my, my heroes in, when I ran my SWAT team were my negotiators mm-hmm. and I was a SWAT tactical guy. And you talk about pissing off my SWAT guys when they would say, Hey, I heard you talk on that interview and, and you threw down we're not the we're not your favorite guys and i said my negotiators right now are rocking it sure i said they're saving you and me and the person from having carnage i said that's you know but yes swat standards mental illness uh, awareness standards how are we handling that sure we launched that i think uh, three or four years ago it's called miracle mm-hmm. mental illness response alternative center for law enforcement and that is a a, a one-stop shop to bring in our law enforcement groups to train them with social health workers and medical people to go back to their communities and to be able to provide better services for the people in episodic issues of mental illness, which one out of every five Americans has some level of whether it's moving the soup cans mm-hmm. to bipolar schizophrenic to, um, you know, split personality disorders. But if we don't handle those situations better, Americans look at us and say, hey, what the heck? Um, sure. And so I'm a big fan of of the the mental side of this process, not just not just putting on a badge and gun. Well, and we try to clarify too that because I think too many cops when they hear mental health, the their mental health, they're thinking mental illness, which is why we always refer to it as mental wellness. I said first responders are 100%. crazy, but they're not mentally ill. We've MMP would them to death. And so, you know, you do have to make the distinction because, again, the mental illness side can cost them their job and their badge and it's labeling and Mm -hmm. making them victims and those things. But we take good people and expose them to things that you you can't prepare people for that. Mm -hmm. And then we look at, like, for example, an officer in a shooting. The shooting is not usually the issue that you're taught how to, when to, where to, why to. It's the reactions afterwards that Mm -hmm. nobody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that's part of mm-hmm. what we do in our trainings, because, again, now we're normalizing it for everybody. And families have to hear these things, too. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love that. It's uh, it's so important. To, you know, I think I mentioned Mighty Oaks. Um, and those guys are, are some of those guys that, that are part of that process. It's a week long. They tear the officers away from their family. They put them, they fly them to a spot. They they bed them down in an area where you can't you can't communicate You're you're and they break them down the first two days and then the last three days they're hugs and, and man, let's bring you back up again. Sure. Saving hearts and lives and minds. And if you save one officer from, or a firefighter from killing themselves, man, yep. that ripple effect. I'm yeah. a huge proponent of where I touch the water is not the issue, just like you said. Mm-hmm. It's what happens past yeah. that point. And as um, faults and of honor, are y'all, are y'all working in that capacity also with uh, you said y'all are getting into the post-traumatic stress injury side of this. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, Colonel Lick and I are, are symbiotic brothers um, from different different walks of life. He's a fighter pilot, um, but but we see the same on that. And he and I had a conversation probably over a year ago, and I said, man, this is, this is where we eventually need to go. And mm-hmm. we don't know 
you know, when that happens or if that ever happens. Um, for me, um, as the senior vice president of outreach, I am engaging um, with those groups because, I, you know, I was in South Carolina. I talked to the Mighty Oaks folks. There's a group in uh, Tennessee that we're talking to. And I want to bring all those groups together mm-hmm. and say, okay, let's form some association. We're all making money. You guys are all making sort of nonprofit monies and taking care of your local groups. But let's let's get everybody together because and the reason for that, in my mind, is if I'm in Savannah, Georgia, or Savannah, and, and I bump <laughs> Savannah. into a kid that, yeah, and that needs my help, but I don't know where to get him to, mm-hmm. I immediately can say, well, wait a minute, I've got a little source here. There's a group called OpFob. It's right up the road. Um, it's an hour and a half away. If I'm in Bozeman, Montana, where do I go? I can't send a kid down to, you know, you know, Savannah, South Carolina. He's not going to want to go. But if there's a group right across the border in Wyoming or South in Cheyenne, mm-hmm. there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and getting that kid to that spot, I call them kids, getting that person to that spot. <laughs> They're um, kids. <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes all the difference because I'm I'm looking at him and saying, I'm going to try to extend your legacy yeah. Um, because you, that kid might turn into a rock star and go to Abilene, Texas and be the next chief. Sure. And we might have saved his life in that process. And so. And taught him something that he can pass on right. to others Usually, as well. Usually That's this happened to me. Mm-hmm. I'm giving to you. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's protect and serve. Um, firefighters protect you know, our, our properties by making sure they don't burn, but they also serve our communities by responding so many times to people in need. Sure. Uh, paramedics, same way. I'm 30, 54. And Young I, man. Know, survived, survived a few shootings and this and that and all this jazz. And and uh, my first year of retirement, I got, uh, and I hate ambulances and I don't <laughs> like any of that stuff. And my first year of retirement, I got a trip to the hospital in an ambulance after oh, a man. procedure <laughs> and so i just thought i get to the got to the hospital and my brother's a surgeon i've got a neuro nurse i've got two physical therapists in the family and a sister-in-law that's a doctor and i got to the hospital and i told the nurses and doctors i don't like you guys i was out <laughs> not in my right state of mind <laughs> but i said in all these years of, of dodging bullets and jumping fences and and narrowly avoiding critical situations I retire and I'm in the civilian order and I'm in the emergency room twice and have a have a trip to the hospital and an ambulance. Did no, they run lights and sirens? Did they at least give you lights they, and sirens? They didn't. Oh. It was the worst ride ever. It's so uncomfortable. But I but I really do appreciate uh, the people that when you're when your chips are down, sure. they're serving. You. Sure. Well, and, you know, we'd like to work with y'all in the capacity, too, like you were talking about earlier about getting legislators and people to understand, because, again, there's a lot of attention given to aftermaths, but it's that front end stuff that we just have. You know, I said nothing breaks my heart more than to have a cop sit on my couch and he goes, Susan, why do I have to die before anybody wants to do anything for me and my family? And I go, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. But it's true. People really st- struggle to donate to help on the front end to keep them healthier. But boy, let one go yeah. down. And you know, I, I've always laughed mm-hmm. and said I could raise a million dollars with a canine with an infected dewclaw. Mm-hmm. But I get a cop who's struggling with trauma and stuff, and you know, well, he just wouldn't cut out for this, or he, you know, he signed up for this, and I'm thinking, what? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. And they have um, to see it. Yes. have to see it. And it's, uh, you know, going back to the Mighty Oaks, not to throw that group in the mix, you know, Tulsa's probably got 60 or 70 kids now that have gone there. And now you're starting to see lieutenants and you're starting to see a major and you're starting to see, and and that's significant mm-hmm. because that's all front side. Sure. And then now a, a, a funny a funny part of that is the city mm-hmm. as well as the PD. The PD's like, we get it. The city is sort of prickly about it. Like, oh, where are they going? And what are they doing? And who's paying for it? And I, and my response is, I'm heading out the door, retiring. And I'm like, come on, mm-hmm. you know, I these are these are civil servants that are giving you sixty to seventy hours of their lives, and their families are sacrificing exactly. for you. And so, a lot of kids on the police department asked me that one time, and we're in a big staff meeting, and with my staff of sixty some kids, and my division. And I said, the city is, and I got this from my team psychologist when I was the commander, we had a team psychologist mm-hmm. on the, on the SWAT team and Doug Jentz, he's passed away now, but he told me over breakfast, we'd meet for breakfast every Tuesday. And he said, 
city is a sociopath. It's not capable of caring. Mm -hmm. The actual entity (laughs) does not, it's not capable. You know, Doug, you probably know Doug. Yes. Um, And he passed away, but Mm -hmm. Doug said, it's not capable of caring. So Luke Sherman, stop trying to think it will. He said, connect to the people. And that's where the connection is. Um, Hug them, love them, kiss them. They'll do it back to you. But if you think that for one minute, the city is is willing to care, it's not. It's only mission is to survive as an entity. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think where you're going is the, the people. There's power in that. Um, when you got to find a back door, you got to find other things. Right. You got to find other avenues, not just mm-hmm. the city. And actually, we're making some progress in those areas that mm-hmm. uh, Yuma City has now contracted with us for yes. anonymous mental wellness for their police, fire, and dispatch. So we're beginning to see some eye-opening in these things that, uh, you know, it's only yes. taken 32 years. I mean, I'm like, good grief. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. We all are slow learners. But uh, I think legislators also, we actually, uh, Tom and Joel don't even know this yet, but we just put something before our legislature here in Arizona um, that had to be in Monday at 5 o'clock, and we were told at 4.30 they needed <laughs> it on the legislative liaison's desk. And uh, so it got done very quickly. But it uh, we've got a legislator who was like i had no idea i had no idea right. suicide was a problem mm-hmm. in these industries I'm like, mm-hmm. well, and they've been living under a rock that's what i asked him what yeah. rock you've been under and uh but it <laughs> opened his eyes and so i think we're going to see some changes in these things which again is going to even bring on more need for organizations like yours because we're not going to stop all of this we mm-hmm. you know we can make it better but families are still going to have issues and Unfortunately, bad mm-hmm. things are going to happen, but, uh, you know, we'd love to, to find a way to work with you guys any way we can to help in the, the process of this because too many of them are pretty much shoved out and sitting on mm-hmm. the sidelines not knowing what they're going to do next and that feeling like nobody cares. Yeah, it's an awareness issue. I mean, it's 100 percent. It was it was a, it was an interesting dynamic as a commander um, because at times when you'd have an officer that we would you know, I hate to say the word decommission, you'd put them down. You'd mm-hmm. say, okay, we're going to put you on the desk. We've had a couple incidents. Um, and it's almost taboo, you know, oh, nobody can go talk to that person because right. if you talk to them, you know, you're a staff member. And if you go talk to them, they might get the wrong impression. And my demeanor has always been whatever. I'm a, a little adopted orphan, you know, in the sixties that got a shot at life. I don't give a rip what you think. I'm going to go talk to that person because I'm going to connect to them. And if it's a 30 second conversation that gives that person hope Mm -hmm. that we can push through this process. Yeah. You got to go through a little bit with the city and some, some red tape, but we, that group back there love you. So just keep your head up. Um, That's all. And I've had people say to me, Oh, you can't do that. Watch me. I'll Mm -hmm. do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I work for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I'm not going to worry about that. But, you know, the neat thing about the folds that gets to this point, that's front side. The backside with the folds is that, you know, 240 million plus dollars now has gone out and people say, well, we're that's a charity. We're proud of it. Ninety one cents on the dollar goes back. Sure. And that's a four star rating uh, charity navigator and such. We we and that's difficult to do when you have that kind of money yeah. to make sure as it gets bigger, you keep you keep it a lean fighting machine, as Dan calls it. Sure. Um, and keeps it keeps it underneath. But I mean, it's, you know, to be able to provide for those kids, we're now starting to see we have a program. Where are they at? Where have they come from? Where are they now? Mm-hmm. Um, so you can start to see some of those kids. But the beauty of that footprint is now I have the ability to connect to some of these other things of awareness because sure. talking to people like I was on another podcast talking about the folds, but then you start to talk about suicide ideation and where soldiers and first responders are. And that's starting to build process. And I think when it becomes a whisper, then becomes, you know, a, a you know, a, a who concert decibel level, that's where people start to make a difference, but they have to see it um americans don't necessarily we're reactive yeah and and like you're saying we need to get to a point where we're saying you know what i am going to give 13 dollars a month to the folds but you know what i want to give 13 more dollars to an organization that's that has a front side operating system that has professionals that are reaching out to some of these other groups and saying let's all come together on behalf of 
of Americans sure. who are struggling. Um, but I think first responders and families and military, even just knowing there's an organization like yours, right. whether they ever need it or not, I, I think that has almost a healing property in itself, again, based mm-hmm. on what officers are always telling us. Nobody cares till they die. Right. But to know that right. there's a group out there that does, I, I think that does something for their mental wellness right off the bat, whether they need it or not. Well, you're 100% agreed. The military is, is you know, is the part, Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. It's it's big. Mm-hmm. Where we saw, and I knew this coming in because I'm I'm a, a police officer and I've been around it and I've traveled all over the planet or teaching, and you all have as well. What I told Colonel Nick and Colonel Dan was when we launched this, this is very grassroots. Because if you have a firefighter that's rolled in a truck and flies out and, and is horribly uh, wounded and, and will never walk again, and it's in, I'm used Bozeman, Montana, Missoula, that whole community knows about that situation. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's much more in, intertwined in the very fabric of Americans. Sure. Um, sad stories, two of them, two officers, one, I think his youngest child was six months old and killed in the line of duty down in Orlando area. Mm. And then there was one in Louisiana mm-hmm. that was heading home to his family and a pursuit happened. And he thought, I'm going to go block an intersection for that pursuit before I go home. And I think somehow the the, the bad guy careened over and smashed into him and killed him. Um, both of those ladies, um, I got contacted by, by representatives for both those families on the 12th hour, the 11th hour, shall we say, of the application period, the scholarships were filing their paperwork late in the evening before the deadline. One was burying her husband the next day. The other one was burying her husband in three days. And I said, oh, hell no. I said, please call those representatives back and say, Luke Sherman is overriding the scholarship deadline period. I love you. I'm sorry that this happened. We got you. Yep. More stress on it. Yes. Oh, and and just um, can you imagine? Yeah. And so I said, Barry, you're, you're, you're hero with pride and honor, and we will see you on the backside of that. And both are now actively involved in our, in our application process. Awesome. And once they get, uh, once they're approved, which they did, I think both of those were approved. They, once they're in that system, then they become gold star. And then they become gold star are passed away people, mm-hmm. um, families, and then you have legacy. So that family comes back up for legacy every year until the time where those children aren't using that system anymore. And that's neat because first responders and military members are honest. Mm-hmm. And so if I've got four kids in the system and one ages out, yep, that family says, hey, we, Luke just aged out. We have three more kiddos still coming through. Well, we're able to take those monetary funds that would have been for Luke and take them and they go to your family. Nice. And so it's it's a neat process of everybody putting back to carry the, the legacy of this next generation forward as we battle both on the you know the 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 foreign front as well as here we spill blood in the mud here just like we spill blood in the mud over there sure sure well we can't thank you enough for taking time out to be on here and educating us about this and we'll make sure that we continue to push this through and we'll have you back on if you're willing to and get updates on how it's going and especially as you begin to add the post-traumatic stress injury side to this picture and uh, you know, anyway, we can help on that. We are more than happy to. Uh, and we just want to thank our audience again for listening and and uh, being loyal to us here uh, as we start this new year that I guess this will actually air in February. Um, but we want the families also to know, as well as our first responders and military, that we're here for you 24-7. Uh, there's not a day that we take off. We have a toll-free number. See, I said it. You're going to get mad at me. <laughs> I, I gave him grief about calling it toll-free because I don't think there is a such thing anymore. Uh, but it's a, it's a free number, uh, 855-889-2348. If you hit extension 1, you will get a stress coach. Let it ring. It's going to roll to the first available one. Uh, and when we say anonymous, we're not talking confidential here because that's a legal term. We're talking anonymous. We don't even have your phone number. So if you get disconnected from the stress coach you're talking to, you got to call us back. Uh, but you will get someone. If you hit extension 2, you're probably going to get my voicemail. Uh, I prefer that you text me on my cell phone, which is 334-324-3570. If you hit extension 3, you'll get David Cohen in Alabama, who has worked with Under the Shield 20-plus years now. 
Um, and his background's military and fire, uh, as well as his wife, who was a dispatcher and a police officer in Alabama. Hit extension four, that's Tom. Yep. But you also would like him to use your cell as well. Right. Um, it's just it's probably easier to contact me on my cell at uh, 480-861-6574. I thought he was going to forget his own number. I was really going to laugh, Joel. <laughs> I was going to be good. <laughs> uh, but again, with me, I prefer you text me during the daytime, call me at night. We're not going to ask your name. We don't keep notes or records. Uh, we have no requirement to, again, what we do is education, not therapy. Is that a play on terms? Probably. Um, but as a master's level counselor, uh, I know the concerns of mandated reporting and chose not to do that. So none of our stress coaches are mandated reporters, never will be. Um, we also, if you don't want to talk to me, you want to talk to Tom, you want to talk to Joel or another stress coach, we have them all over the country uh, and two in Canada. Dispatchers are very much included in this. And again, families, uh, we appreciate your sacrifice so much, uh, and the families do, as Luke pointed out, that, that's where the major sacrifices are. Mm-hmm. So we're here for all of it. There's nothing we don't deal with. Uh, please reach out to us. We're not a referral uh, resource type thing. We're going to help you, and if we don't have the answers, we can find the answers. Uh, again, Luke, thank you so much for what y'all are doing and for taking time to be on the podcast, and we'll look forward to having you back. Uh, hope everyone out there stay safe. Take care. God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Come back to see us next week.